Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. So as we said, we've got Aaron and Kelly Ellison. So excited to have these guys with us today. And uh, so he's been, I think that said you've been married 14 years, yeah. despite two door slams in the face. Yeah. That happened the first time. We don't talk about that much anymore. <laughs> Not much anymore. Not much anymore. Yeah, spend the rest of your life making up for it. And so, uh, but uh, small fact about you, fun fact about you, you were raised in Africa, right? Why in the world is that? Indio. <laughs> so spent the first 14 years of my life in East Africa. Uh, parents were missionaries, grandparents were missionaries, so... Uh, came back to the States when I was 14, 15 years old for the first time. And so you are, so you came, wow, like you'd never lived yeah. here until 14 or 15. No, my sixth grade, I was actually in a, a, a school with uh, 13 students, 12 different nationalities, and then I got dropped back into the South Carolina School District. So you're fluent in South Carolina and Swahili. In Diobana. There you go. Buenas All right. And uh, <laughs> the other fun fact about you is uh, apparently you're a cheater. No. We all saw it in the video. video. No, 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 no. no. Did y'all see it in the video? I was winning. His wife was winning the scooter scooter race, and we saw you Mm. reach out for her shirt to drag her back. I was reaching for help to get around her. She started before I did, but I don't think the video caught that one. That's not The video didn't show her cheating, just your cheating. (laughs) We're very competitive. It's all about the evidence, buddy. It's all about the evidence. So, well, you know, you're here today because obviously you've got an incredible testimony of something God's done in your life. And so take it away. Tell us your story. So been married 14 years. Uh, we have uh, moved a couple times in that. And um, actually in 2013 uh, is when our life really um, <clears throat> hit, a, hit a challenge. Uh, we were living up in Virginia. Uh, we had, um, just had a miscarriage that was really, really rough. Um, and then a few months later found out that we were pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually in the process of moving uh, again into Maryland, a new setting, and uh, didn't really know what challenges were about to, to hit us. Yeah. So we were moving because Aaron owns a Chick-fil-A. It's actually the reason that brought us down here. And I was the director of a psychiatric treatment center at that time. And when we had had our miscarriage, we found out two months later that we had um, gotten pregnant again. And I was very, very sick. And beyond, like, normal, very, very sick, pregnant sick, I knew something was not right with my body. And so I went to our doctor, and they took blood work, and the blood work came back that something was wrong. They weren't able to draw any conclusions, but they kind of prepared me that I may go through what I had just went through. And so I've been following Jesus since I was six years old, and I have just loved Jesus and run after him since then. And so one of the practices in my life is that I just take things to God first. And I don't always do that. I'm human, and for sure there's times when I fail, but that's one of the things that I try to do regularly. And so I called Aaron, I told him what the doctor said, and I said, but I'm just going to go spend time with Jesus. I'm going to go walk and talk and pray. And I said, I'm not coming home until I hear from him, from the Lord. And so it was about the fourth hour that I was out there praying that I felt like the Lord brought a, a verse to mind. And the verse was in Psalms 27, and it says, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage, and wait for the Lord. And so this became like 
my answer. Okay, I'm going to see the goodness in the land of the living. I'm going to start speaking life over this baby then. And so I just started speaking life over the baby. I rejected any words about miscarriage or that I'm not going to have this baby. And I just started praying that God would help this baby thrive and that I would hold a healthy baby. And then the Lord brought to mind the scripture of Abraham. And I felt like he was reminding me that if you trust me like Abraham, I will provide for your son. And so I was like, oh, we're going to have a son. And we had had two girls. And so I called Aaron and I said, babe, I heard from the Lord. We're going to have a son. I didn't know we could find out that early. (laughs) And so I said, well, this is what I feel like the Lord said. I said, and I shared the verse with him. And I said, I also feel like we're about to enter a season and we have to warrior up. Because the Lord showed me the verse, and it says, you know, be strong and let your heart take courage. And another word for courage is to be relentless, to unyielding, resolute. And so we began this journey with this spirit of we're going to have to be relentless. But if you fast forward about 21 weeks, we ended up moving in with my parents because I was so sick. And we still didn't really know what was going on. There was just a confusing picture because the fact that I was pregnant and that I was so young. And we moved in with my parents, and I was just on the couch every day. I mean, my goal was to make it from the bedroom to the couch and frequently to the bathroom. And I had bruises all over my body. I had difficulty breathing. I couldn't walk up the steps. About three steps, I would get dizzy. And I just literally felt like the life was leaving my body. And I was struggling. I mean, I was struggling because my physical body was failing, and I was an athlete, and I was super fit prior to this, and I just, I was just struggling with my physical body failing. And then after that, it became my emotional state. Like, I just didn't know how to deal with this. And then my, my thoughts, I mean, everything was just struggling. I was struggling with how to, how to have joy. Like, I, prior to this, I was just a super joyful person. And so I just was like, I just don't even know what joy looks like in the midst of these circumstances. And um, I was struggling that I just wanted to be alone. Like, I just wanted to isolate myself because I didn't feel good. I didn't look good. I didn't want to talk to people about all these things. But I knew the truth. Like, I knew the truth that God calls me to have joy in all circumstances. I knew the truth of God's word that the enemy goes after those who are isolated. So I didn't want to isolate myself. But, it, but the struggle was just very real. So when uh, <clears throat> got a phone call, it was driving, driving home from work, and uh, Kelly was headed to the emergency room. She was bleeding from her nose, and they couldn't get it to stop. Um, so, you know, when you get that phone call, you're like, whoa, that's, that's going to be a little different. Let's figure out how we deal with this. And so um, just trying to communicate to our, our daughters what was happening at the time. Uh, we wanted to be very clear to them um, what was actually going on, and we were still trying to figure out what was, what was happening. Um, yeah. So I, I go to the emergency room because what was happening was that my blood levels throughout my pregnancy were dropping. And we knew that. I mean, I was getting blood drawn every week to try to figure out a trend and see what was going on. But what had happened that night in January in the middle of a snowstorm was that my platelets dropped below 10,000. And so I was having a spontaneous bleed. And for those of you that, you know, just have a knowledge base in that area, what that means is my blood wasn't clotting. And that is especially critical when you're pregnant. And so I ended up going to ICU, and I was filling up red Solo cups of blood from my mouth and my nose. And then I ended up going into shock. 
And so my body was shaking, and I was just tremoring. I was freezing, like, like someone stuck me out into Alaska without any clothes on, and they were, like, putting blankets over me and my tongue. I just couldn't control it. It was, like, hanging out of my mouth while I'm trying to catch the blood. And so eventually what ended up happening was that I needed to get blood and platelet transfusions in order to stop the bleeding. And so that night I began a journey of receiving over 42 units of blood and platelets, which is excessive um, if you know about transfusions. And so I am incredibly grateful for anyone in the room that donates their blood to the Red Cross because it literally saved my life. And if you're not a donor, I would encourage you to look into it. <laughs> this is my save little, more lives. Save more lives. That's right. And as a Christian, it's just such a parallel of what the blood of Jesus does for us. So I'm in ICU, and they, they get me to stop bleeding, and then we begin the process of, okay, we've got to figure out what's going on in order to treat her. And this whole time, I'm kind of like struggling, but I'm also just like, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And... Um, they end up coming in after about four days of being in ICU. I have a bone marrow biopsy, which is incredibly difficult while you're 28 weeks pregnant. And they tell me that they think that I have a very rare disease called severe aplastic anemia, which is a bone marrow failure disease. So my bone marrow was not making life for my body or for my son that I was carrying. And it was at that moment where, when they were just telling me the diagnosis and all the odds that, you know, I didn't have a good chance of making it through my pregnancy. And I didn't have a good chance of living afterwards if I was to make it through my pregnancy. It just felt like arrows to my heart because I knew the truth of God's word. And then I had my circumstance and they just weren't lining up at the time. And so I remember the next morning after getting all this information, I was just filled with fear. I was just filled with fear. And I'm, that has not been a struggle in my life. And so I feel like what happened was I started to look at the circumstances and let them define me instead of my Savior. And I kind of opened the door for fear to come in. And it just flooded me. And so now at our home, we have this sign over our door that says, our circumstances do not define us, our Savior does. That's right. And so we end up calling, um, all right, I tell Aaron, I feel like darkness has just sat on my head as I am having all these diagnoses and things come at me. And so um, my brother calls him. My brother lives in Pennsylvania, and he was like, hey, dude, how you doing? And my brother just, like, regularly checked on Aaron. And because when you're in that situation, a lot of people don't actually support the caretaker. You know, they're all worried about me. And so Aaron says, well, I mean, dude, Kelly just told me darkness sat on her head. I don't know. And um, my brother Chris says, well, the, my intercessor, a lady who pray, prays for his ministry, um, called and said Kelly has a vice grip on her head and it needs to be prayed off. And he said, so I'm actually calling to tell you we're on our way to the hospital. And we're going to come pray that thing off her head. And so they came, and we put a sign on the door that we were praying. And they just started praying in the name and the power of Jesus and the authority that God's given us as Christians. And they told that thing to be removed and for darkness to flee from me. And that it was not welcome. And then my sister Rachel said that she got a picture from the Lord as we were praying. And we were praying for about an hour. And she said, Kelly, I see this picture 
of these horses with riders, and they all have victory flags. But there's a lead horse, and it doesn't have a rider. And she said, that's your horse. You have to choose if you're going to operate from a place of victory. You've got to get on your horse and take your position. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know how. And she said, that's a lie from the enemy. God has been equipping you your entire life for this battle. You've got to take position. And so it was that day moving forward that I began a series of choices every day, hours each day of taking position. And that I was going to operate from victory as a believer, knowing that the tomb is empty, that anything's possible, that I have a God who turns the impossible into possible when I believe, that believing that I was going to see in the future what I could not see in my current circumstance. I was going to take position. And that was a choice. And God constantly sent us reminders throughout the journey. Um, Like, uh, so I was telling Aaron, I just need reminders. Like in the Old Testament, they built altars of things when the Lord did things for them as reminders to tell the future generations. I was like, babe, I need a reminder. Like I am struggling so much. Every time the doctors would come in or my blood level, my platelets would drop even lower and I'd need another transfusion, it would be like, okay, God, I know you can do this, but it just doesn't look like it. And so Aaron actually made us these bracelets. We came up with this saying, plus Jesus. We were going to add Jesus into every equation. So if they said you have a 50% chance of living plus Jesus, 150%. You know, there was a point where they told him to say goodbye to me, and he said, plus Jesus. I'm going to add Jesus into every equation. And so I believe there's people in here that need to start adding Jesus into every equation. There's some of you that probably are on, like, the self-dependent side. You need to start adding Jesus into your equation. He did not design you to function alone. He did not design you to function alone. So we end up having Thor at 33 weeks, and he was yeah. five pounds and three ounces. Yeah, come on. So, woo, that's right. <laughs> I think we have a picture of Thor they're going to put up here. There you go. Yeah, there he is. He's yeah, five now. He's five years old. So what a pretty happy family. Thor <laughs> is born, and then the rest of your life has been boring ever since, right? Yeah, but, uh, that was what I was praying. <laughs> But that didn't happen. I was really hoping, like, I, it, God is so gentle with us. I, he's so gentle in just developing us and bringing us towards him. I mean, my, I was hoping in Jesus, but my also hope was kind of in this idea that I had come up with, that I'm going to have Thor and everything's going to be okay then. And do you see what I mean? So my hope was in God, but I also kind of was hoping in what I was hoping the situation would turn out. And so that's not what happened. And uh, three weeks later, I was then diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma, which is kidney cancer. And again, I just had a choice to take my position as a believer and to know that I operate from victory, that God has pushed back the darkness, that the enemy is defeated in Jesus' name, and I get the opportunity to enforce the whipping. But I'm called to enforce it. And so... We went forward, and I created kind of another hope. Okay, okay, God, I can handle this, and maybe we're just going to remove the cancer, and then I'll be better. And that's not what happens either. And so we um, began this journey of going to different hospitals to see just what people had to offer, really. And the whole time we're praying for a miracle and healing, and so I say all the time, I'm a product of prayer. 
prayer and care. And so we go to this one hospital, the National Institute of Health, because the other hospitals really felt like I was too high risk to operate on because my life was in the balance. And I remember one of them telling me, you know, our plan right now, our treatment plan is just is to sustain your life. And I'm so thankful for doctors and nurses and phlebotomists, and I'm, I praise the Lord for them all the time. But I remember saying to him, I am not interested in sustaining my life. I am interested in abundant living. <laughs> what do we need to do to get to that? And so I go to the National Institute of Health, and I fill out the form that you, you know, there's a place on it that says, what's your religious belief? And I write that I'm an evangelical Christian. And that was just a, that was a common practice in my life. That wasn't something new that I would write that to try to get people to ask me a question so I could share the love of Jesus with them. And so this sweet uh, African-American older woman looks at my paper, and she looks at me. And she looks at my paper, and she looks at me. And she says, honey, you're a Christian. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and she goes, you need to stir up some joy. And I was like, I know, take position, I know, <laughs> take position. And the funny thing is that Aaron had been telling me this really for the last week. And even the night before, we were reading in the hotel room, we were reading scripture, and he was like, Kelly, I really just feel like you've got to stir up your joy. So we really should point out on Father's Day that you were right in your marriage <laughs> once. The first time in 14 years, but no one's counting. So that erases at least one of those door slams, right? Yes, yes. The three babies kind of took care of all of them. <laughs> I think I'm even. <clears throat> But it was just these constant reminders God was giving me. Like, you have a choice, Kelly. You have a choice how you're going to respond. And although you can't see yet what I'm about to do, Scripture says, I'm about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And so I just started asking God, help me to perceive what I cannot see. It goes on to say that God makes a way in the wilderness and he brings, or he makes a way in the wasteland and he brings rivers in the wilderness. This is our God that can do these things. He can do the impossible and make them possible when we believe. And one of the scriptures that became very important to me when my brother and sister-in-law were praying before we had Thor, they had asked me if I wanted, just what do you want us to ask God for? And I said, I just want to hear from the Lord. I just want to know, you know how this is going to play out. I kept wanting to know the why and the how, the why and the how. And so my brother said, well, we're going to pray that God speaks to you in a dream. And I was like, great, I love dreams. I believe God speaks through dreams. A lot of scripture is through dreams. And so I go to bed, and I actually have a dream that night. And that's not, I'm not, that's not a normal practice, but I ask God for dreams all the time. And so in this dream, God tells me, well, I believe it was the Lord, says to call my bone marrow awake from its slumber. And that's why I believe it was the Lord, because who, who says slumber these days? <laughs> And so, and then he, and then in the dream, I'm reminded of the scripture in Ezekiel about the dry bones, because I had bone marrow that was dry, right? It was not producing life. And so I wake up from the dream, and my mom was with me, because remember, I was struggling with isolation, and so we had just decided as a family that people would take rotations to be with me in the hospital, and so my mom was there, and I was like, Mom, I had a dream. And I felt like I'm supposed to calm my bone marrow awake from its slumber, for it's just been sleeping. And then to read about the dry bones. And so that's what we did. We prayed, and we commanded in the name of Jesus and his power for my bone marrow to wake up in the name of Jesus and to come awake from its slumber. 
And then I read the story of Ezekiel, and he's, he's a prophet, and he's out um, speaking to the nation of Israel about the dry bones. And the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, asks him, do you think that the bones can live? And Ezekiel goes back to him and says, well, only you know. And then this is um, the response. Somewhere in my notes. I'm looking for it. Here it is. Do these bones live? I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I will place you in your own land, and you will know that I am Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. And so that day, my God became the God who's good for it. He became the God who speaks and does in my life. And I had to keep making those choices to believe that. Stir up the joy. Take position. God is good for it. And so we end up um, agreeing to have surgery on my kidney cancer. We found a surgeon who would agree to do it. He was Greek. And when I went into surgery, I wrote Opa on my side. And he just loved that. He took a picture of it, and um, he told me later he's not supposed to do that, but he couldn't wait to show his wife. <laughs> he was like, look what one of my patients wrote me. I was like, I just wanted to make sure you operated on the right side. <laughs> but you could even see in that story that the, the Lord was starting to answer my prayers of stirring up joy. It was starting to be activated. Even though I didn't feel very joyful, I was walking out in obedience with what I knew the Lord had called me to do. So we have it removed, and then I enter into treatment for my bone marrow failure disease. And I ended up in a clinical trial, which there was 55 patients uh, or slots available for the clinical trial, and I was number 54. Wow. Yeah. And so we end up walking that journey out over the next three years as we waited for the Lord to bring forth his promise in the land of the living. And we just took our position that we were going to be relentless on what the Lord told us until he tells us something else. And so we just battled, and the battle was real. I battled in my mind. I'm so thankful God gave me this amazing, strong man to battle with me and stand in his position and um, then here we are. Three years later, we moved to South Carolina. So how did this affect you? So uh, just during all this, you know, for me, I, I heard very clearly from the Lord um, that he was going to provide. Um, didn't have the answer as the, the how, but knew that he was going to provide. And so for, for us moving and, you know, moving in with, with Kelly's parents and then still trying to keep a job and still trying to raise, uh, you know, our two daughters. Um, and then after Thor was born, trying to raise, you know, all, all three kids. Um, I just continued to be just an overwhelming presence that God will provide. Um, yes. And so people would call me like, hey, how's Kelly doing? I'm like, well, we're on the way right now to the hospital. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's okay. It's a, it's a Tuesday. She gets transfused on a Tuesday. It's actually our day, our day to take a date. Um, so we would head down to the hospital, get a blood transfusion, and go mm -hmm. grab lunch. Hi, honey. So, will you go get a blood transfusion with me? <laughs> sure, I'd love to. There you go. So you just you changed everything about your whole life. It evolved around what we needed to do. Yeah. Um, but then we wanted to make sure that we were very, very clear um, to our, our daughters who are seeing this right now that, that we're going to trust and rely in the, in the Lord in all things. And the good times, we've had those. We've been married for 14 years. Great, great times. And then we've had tough times that we thought. Uh, and then going into this season of, of our life where... 
doctors are coming in saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to let your, let your wife know that uh, you love her and you've got about 48 hours left. And yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. God's going to provide. Yeah. Um, mm. So just being able to have that um, is just very clear. Mm. I'm so thankful that God did not design us to be in isolation. Yeah. Because although there were days when I'd be like, stop telling me that. You know, I'm so frustrated right now. Um, I'm so thankful that God provided these reminders. And, you know, the lady at the hospital and, I mean, hundreds of people that came and prayed for me. I, I tell people all the time, you get in any prayer line that speaks in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you get prayer if what you're running after has not manifested yet. Don't allow the enemy to say, well, I got prayer once. You keep pursuing. You're relentless because you operate from victory, not for it, and you're waiting to see that victory manifest in your life in those areas. And one of the things the Lord really taught me through this journey, I, I never lost my faith in God, but it's like he built my trust bank, That's my trust tower. Yeah. Because during this, you know, I kept asking, well, why and how? And then I kind of got over the why. I was like, okay, I don't need to know why this happened, but how? How are you going to bring me out of this, God? And I remember one day in the hospital asking why and how, that I felt like God said, can you trust me because I'm the who? Yeah. Can you trust the who yep. without knowing the why and the how? And I remember like in this dialogue with God being like, God, I can trust you for my eternal destination of which I cannot see. I trust you for eternity, which is the only miracle that lasts forever. I don't know why I'm struggling with trusting you with this when I know you're the God of miracles. I know you're the God that takes the impossible and makes it possible. Will you help me learn how to trust you with just knowing you're the who? And God began to do that work in me. So then there was a day where I could say, I can trust the who without knowing the why and the how. I think that's the main thing that comes out of our struggles. You know, as a pastor, I sit with people all the time and they're going through circumstances like this and they say, why? Why have I got to go through this? And we don't know all the whys. Right. As you just said, God knows some of the whys. But yeah. I'll tell you, one of the greatest things that comes out of it in the end is, is our relationship with God. Yeah. You know, you were talking earlier saying that your, your life isn't based on your circumstances. Right. And uh, we'd all love to say that because we all are Christians and follow God. And we, we'd like, oh, sure, you know, my circumstances don't determine my life. But the truth is they really do. Um, it's just who we are as people, you know, if if our cheeseburger was cooked well at lunch, we're happy after lunch, you know, if if our boss said nice things to us, we have a great day at work. And and so if everything around us, we just kind of feed off of how things are going. And then when they're not going well, we're not sure how to handle that because what well, we think a good God in, who blesses means circumstances are always easy and go well. And uh, that's not always the case. Yeah. And a lot of us have room in our perception of God for one difficulty, right? It's like, okay, it's a broken world. God's a good God, but you know, we're all going to go through something tough. Mm -hmm. And the question is, what do you do when you go through the second tough and the third tough mm -hmm. and the fourth tough? Because mm -hmm. uh, you just went through a difficult miscarriage mm -hmm. to come out of that and to be suddenly told, well, to be very sick that no one can diagnose. And then right. the third tough is to be told that you're probably going to lose this child too. And then you know, you're told to say goodbye as she goes in to give birth because they don't expect how many toughs in a row. And then when you finally have the child thinking, man, this is all great. Now we're going home and be happy family to find out kidney cancer and everything. And I think one of the most difficult things for us is to learn to hold on to God in the midst yeah. of all of that. And uh, so I really 
what I appreciate so much about your story is the sincerity of the struggle. I like the fact that you weren't always able to hold your joy because sometimes people think we put people on stage because they're saints. Mm. And it's really important uh, to understand that even, yeah, you've walked with God your whole life. You guys have known God about as long as you've known how to breathe, you right. know, uh, grew up missionary uh, kid and everything. And so we would think, oh, I've put you here today to say, be like me. I'm yeah. amazing. I never struggled. But to, to, to know you also reached that point where you had to choose. Right. So that's what it comes down to. Right. And that's what you've been saying. We have to choose. We yeah. have to choose. We're going to follow. We have to choose not to let our circumstance dictate us. And for those of us that will make it through one tough, two tough, three tough, four tough, whatever it is, and choose to keep the focus on the who. Right. Not the what, yes. not the how, not the why, not yeah. the when, but simply the who. Yeah. Then that's when we come out of it with a faith that people go, oh, you're an amazing. It's, no, no, that was birthed. That was cooked. That was grown. That, that mm -hmm. faith that you have now. Yeah. Because it left just being all about Sunday school and songs and stories yeah. to the reality of who God is in your life yeah. that comes through those struggles. Right. And I, and, I, and I think what, you know, Jesus is saying to you guys here and, and what he constantly reveals to me is that I am for you. And so when we come to those places and, and we're like, God, why is this happening? You know, we have to remember who he is. And, and we have to get to the place by spending time with God and you know, and being around people who know about God and asking the Holy Spirit to empower us, where we learn to trust the nature of God. And that's really what that is. Prior to this season, we trusted who God was. So that struggle after struggle after struggle, we could trust him because yeah. he's trustworthy. And I remember, so three years in after going through treatment, and my our, Thor's three years old, and our family has this regular practice once a year where we go and jump off a pier and that's kind of our marker of what God's done. It's similar to the Old Testament when they built the altars and God gave names to who he was. And so I felt like God had given me a name that I was Kelly healed one of the Lord. And so Aaron, after year one, was like, we need a marker so that we remember, you know, what God's doing. And I said, well, I believe I'm going to live till I'm at least 90. So I want to be able to do the same thing every year. And I want our grandchildren to be able to come join us. And so we picked this jumping off a pier thing uh, because I just figured he could push me off when I'm 90. <laughs> and send me the rubber ducky. Okay. Um, but I remember the third year after the jumping and then I just kind of spend time with the Lord that I was just still going through the process. I'm still in it. And I was like, God, I have so much to be grateful for because that's another thing in the process. God's like, stir up your gratitude. It gives you perspective. Some of you in here, you might need to be stirring up some gratitude. It gives you perspective. And I was like, God, I have so much to be thankful for. I'm just still struggling with, like, why I was pregnant and all these things because it just intensified it. And I kept saying, I feel like I'd have been a much nicer person during that season if I just wasn't pregnant. Like, I probably could have, you know, gone through it all. And I, re I remembered this impression from the Lord while I was out there that day. And he said, you think, in all of his kindness, you think I put the baby in your womb for you to fight for the baby, for you to fight for Thor, your son? I put him in your womb so that you would fight for you because you were going to be willing to lay down your life. I gave him to you because I had more for you. 
And I knew as your heavenly father that you would fight for this life of your son. And so I put him in your womb to save you, not the other way around. And I just remember like repenting and be like, God, your ways are much better than my ways. I'm sorry. Thank you for continually showing me that I can trust you. Because God is more interested in our love relationship with him than what we can do for him. He is more interested in growing this knowledge of him and this intimacy with him than what we can do for him. That is so true. So Thor is born healthy, beautiful family, Riley Reagan, two daughters as well, and uh, kidney cancer, tumor removed, no more transfusions, right? right? Yep, four years. Yay! Yep. So the answer to the question I'm going to ask you may have already said, if it is, just highlight something. Um, but the question I'd like to ask is for each of you to give a takeaway that your hope would be in sharing your story today that someone would walk out the door with that in hand. I know as we were listening, everybody here is going through something, has been through something. And so we were all hopefully grabbing on the things. You know, like I remember when we talked just a couple of weeks ago and, and you said that phrase, it's probably a very famous phrase, yeah. but just mm-hmm. the way you said it, you know, if the tomb is empty, anything can happen. I'm like, right. yes, why did I forget that? I should be the winner. Like, preaching that. possible. It's like a whole yeah. sermons topic right there. Like, I can do it. Anyway, and so I hope, uh, you know, as you were listening today, everybody was, was grabbing on to something for you, something that hit you. But uh, just for the fun of it, what would be the one takeaway that each of you would hope people would walk out the door with today? I think, I think for me, just... Um, being able to trust in the Lord um, through through all things, uh, the good good times you know we're thankful for the Lord, the, the the tough times we forget to give Him give Him thanks and trust in Him. So just through all things that we're going through, just be able to trust in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And when we when Jimmy had mentioned that he might ask this question to us, you know, I asked the Lord. Um, what I thought he wanted to say. And he gave me something, but also just for this group, I feel like the Lord uh, highlighted something else too. So I feel like God wants you to hear that he's for you, that he is for you, that he is for you, and that he's for you in every situation. He's for you in the places of, you know, if you're a high schooler and you just graduated and you feel like you're wandering, I mean, he is for you. He's for you in your marriage when it feels like it's crumbling. He's for you when you have this picture of your family and it's not happening. You know, he's for you if you receive a diagnosis that seems like it's a curse to your life. I mean, God is for you and he's good for it. And he's good for it. I mean, he's a God that's good for it. But the other thing that I feel like he really highlighted for this group was that he wants you to be in alignment with him that we are prone to wander left or right. We're prone to kind of go towards the self side, self-indulgence or self-dependent, or we're prone to go towards like the people-pleasing and the fear of disappointment and the fear of missing out. And God's saying, I want you to fix your eyes on me. I am the author of each of these situations. When I'm for you, I am the author of that. And so he's just calling us to stay in alignment with him. And so I would just encourage you to remember that God is for you. He has defeated the enemy. He has pushed back the darkness for you and to stay in alignment with him. So I told uh, 
Aaron and Kelly after the service. They could come out to the lobby with me. People would probably want to talk to them and shake their hands. And Kelly said, I'd, I'd really rather pray for people. And so I don't know if you know, but at the end of every service, we have a prayer team by the stage that they're always here to pray with you, whatever it is you're facing, whatever you need someone to pray with you or for you about. And so uh, when we end the service, Aaron and Kelly will actually be down here with our prayer teams. I wanna encourage you to come and ask them to pray for you, especially if you're facing something uh, that resonated with what they were talking about today. You know, the Bible tells us to call the elders, to go to the elders and, and pray, ask them to pray for you. Um, that they would lay hands on you and that you'd be healed. And uh, I, it, you don't always have to take that just for literal elders in that specific church. I think there are two strong principles that come out of that passage. One is that you go to an elder because you're going to someone who has faith when you don't. You're going to someone who, who has got faith to give you and to extend to you when your faith is just exhausted. You've prayed and you've asked and you don't feel like anything has moved, and it's time to go to someone who is an elder in the path, someone who says, yes, I've walked through this, and, and, and let me pray for you here. And, and the second reason that I, I think we can lean on that passage for something beyond just an actual elder in a specific church is because being an elder is about having a position of, a, of spiritual authority. But I believe other people have positions of spiritual authority, and specifically someone who's walked through something. I think in this case, someone who has faced not knowing if you'd wake up the next day, not knowing how anything would turn out, someone who has faced repeated physical diagnoses and had to stand on what God was saying to them despite what the medical world knew to be true in their world, uh, right. that it's, it's earned you a place in the spiritual realm, some authority to say, I've made it through this maze, come over here, follow me through this maze. And so I wanna encourage you uh, to come and ask Aaron and Kelly, to pray for you if these are things that you're facing, anything that resonated with what they were talking about, because I believe they've earned that spiritual authority and I uh, believe they've got faith to extend to you. So we're going to end today uh, by, I've asked them actually to pray over us as a group before we end the service. Uh, so if you would, let's just all stand to our feet and uh, I'm gonna ask Aaron and Kelly to pray. And, and really the, the main reason uh, that I want them to pray is because what has held them through this is the fact they never let go of God. Right. You know, when you, you don't know if tomorrow's coming and when you don't know what tomorrow holds and if you don't know if your tomorrow will be in heaven, the only way you get through that is by not letting go of God. You just gotta hold on to God. And so I, I've asked them to pray over us that we will be people who no matter what our circumstances look like, no matter what the natural realm shows us, that we can be people who hold on to God. So yeah. will you Thank pray for you. us? We'd love to. Dear Jesus, mighty God, healer, provider, the God who sees every situation. God, I pray that you right now across the room, every person that you put a relentless spirit into them. God, that you awaken what's there and that you will build resilience. Father, I speak the breath of life into every person in this room, into every cell in their body, into every thought and pathway into their brain. God, I speak the breath of life from the Holy Spirit, the same one that you spoke to create the world. God, will you put into them a spirit that never lets go. God, you tell us in your word, don't give up. 
keep praying, run with endurance. God, I pray in this room, I call out mighty warriors in Jesus' name. God, that they will rise up to run the race that you've called them. God, they, I just see all these spheres of influence in this room. God, that there's so many influencers in here. I just speak the word influence over them, God, and that they will activate the run with endurance, that they will activate their areas of influence, that you'll create boldness, for them to go, Lord, where you have led, that they will put their feet in the territory like Joshua. God, and you say, I give you this territory in Jesus' name. God, I call forth the mighty warriors in your kingdom, that they will not back down, but that we will be people known who keep our eyes fixed on you, that they will stay in alignment because they trust you. And God, I pray for your healing in Jesus' name that you will heal any part of their body right now that needs your touch. Lord, physically, emotionally, mentally, God, that you will come in and you will do your work, that you will repair and restore and redeem. I pray for healed marriages and healed wombs, healed cells in their body in Jesus' name. And you're good for it, God. You're good for it. We can trust you because you're for us. If you're just staying in an attitude of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. It might be because you just never thought that was an important decision or something you could put off until later. It might be because you've been through some very difficult situations and you weren't sure that God was there with you. And my hope and prayer for you right now is that you will see that today is the day. Today is the day to recognize Jesus died on the cross for you. He has made a way for all of your sins to be forgiven, for you to spend eternity with him, which is, as Kelly talked about, the greatest miracle, an eternal miracle. If you've never done that, I wanna help you do that right now. You don't have to stand up or come down front or do anything awkward, just right where you're standing right now. If you would, pray with me. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer today is that you'd give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources, where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.